to Luke chapter 19. We, of course, we finished the book of Joshua last Sunday. This morning we're going to look um, at Jesus and Zacchaeus. Um, this was the, the last personal encounter Jesus had um, before entering Jerusalem, what we know was Palm Sunday, and um, before he went on to be tried and sentenced and, and killed. Um, so a good passage for us to think about um, just at this time. Let's turn to Luke chapter 19. Uh, we'll read the first ten verses together. <clears throat> Luke chapter 19, and verse 1. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today a salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let's take a moment and pray and ask for God's help. Our Father and our God, we thank you for this great truth again, that the Son of Man and Jesus Christ, your eternal Son, came to seek and to save the lost. Father, we pray as we come to your word this morning that you would help us to better understand what that really means. Help us to understand that we are indeed sinners who need a Savior. And help us to understand again just how great as Saviour Jesus Christ really is. And may we be changed by that this morning. May your Spirit work in our hearts to change us and to even make us more like Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. <clears throat> I wonder what you know about the character of Zacchaeus. I wonder, do you remember the little kid's song? <clears throat> Zacchaeus was a very little man. And a very little man was he. He climbed into a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And when the Saviour passed that way, he looked into the tree and said, Now Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm coming to your house for tea. Now the song does teach us true facts. 
Zacchaeus was a short man who climbed a tree to see Jesus. Jesus passed by, he looked into the tree and told Zacchaeus, come down for I'm coming to your house for tea. But is there more for us to know other than Zacchaeus was short and Jesus went to his house for tea? Well, yes, there is. This account in Luke's Gospel, it's actually really significant. As I said, it's the last personal encounter that Jesus has before he enters Jerusalem to be tried and sentenced and killed. This account of Zacchaeus finishes um, chapter 9, verse 10. And this verse really finishes a, a larger section in Luke's Gospel. And that section began way back in chapter 9, verse 51. And in 9.51, we read, When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. So Jesus is on a journey to Jerusalem, to the cross. And on this journey, the, the focus of his teaching is eternal life. Who can receive eternal life and how. And in this, in, these closing, um, in this closing section from that bigger section, there are five encounters from 18 verse 9 that really drive this theme and answer those questions. Who can receive eternal life and how? And the very last verse in the account of Zacchaeus is really the climax of this larger section. And it could well be highlighted as the key verse in Luke's Gospel, explaining the purpose of Jesus' time on earth. Look at what it says in chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now, one of Luke's big purposes in Luke and Acts is to show that the gospel is for all people. All people are lost, and all people need to be saved, Jew and Gentile alike, rich and poor, no matter who you are. Now, Luke, more than any other gospel, um, talks about the rich and poor in relation to the kingdom of God. And he really takes time throughout the gospel to highlight the dangers of wealth. So, for example, in Luke chapter 6, we, we have a record of Jesus pronouncing blessings. But following that, he announces woes. And they begin in chapter 6, verse 24... Woe to you who are rich, for ye have already received your consolation. In chapter 8, Jesus is he's speaking about the purpose of parables, and he compares the word of God to sowing seed. And he says in chapter 8, verse 14, As for the seed that fell among the thorns, that, that is those who, who hear the word, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life. 
In chapter 12, we have the parable of the rich fool, who invested all he had in here and now, while failing to think about eternity. In chapter 16, we have the account of the rich man and Lazarus. Again, it seems that the rich man had all he wanted in this life, but yet died without knowing Christ, which was tragic. Then coming closer to our text this morning in chapter 18, we have the account of the rich ruler. He asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he left Jesus very sad because Jesus told him to sell all he had and give to the poor. And it was after that incident that Jesus was asked, well, who can be saved? Jesus responded, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And then we come to the account of Zacchaeus. Now Luke is the only gospel writer to include this. And I believe it's here that he allows us to see that with God it is in fact possible for a rich man to inherit eternal life. So let's go to our text for this morning. We will look at the passage we read together. Then we'll we'll make just a few short comparisons with with those five encounters that I mentioned. And then we'll make some application for ourselves. But firstly, let's think about this encounter between Zacchaeus and Jesus. We'll think about it under two headings. Firstly, a seeking sinner in the first four verses. And then a seeking saviour in verses 5 to 10. So firstly, let's think about a seeking sinner. Verses 1 to 4. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Now, the name Zacchaeus actually means righteous one, which you'll see there's quite a lot of irony in that. We're told, verse 2, he was a chief tax collector and was rich. Now, to be a tax collector then, it wasn't the equivalent of working for HMRC, just ensuring people were paying the correct amount of tax. It was partly this. Now, the Roman um, authorities, they were, it's almost like they franchised out different areas to an individual. And this individual would be called chief tax collector. And it was their job then to oversee all the other tax collectors within a particular area. Now the amount of tax would be set by Rome and the chief tax collector, he was to ensure that that money was brought safely back to Rome. But the chief tax collector, he really could set taxes as high as he wanted within the area he was over. And this was the case's get-rich-quick scheme. As long as Rome were getting what they were entitled to, they weren't going to ask any questions. Zacchaeus, he set the tax as high as he wanted, over and above what, what, what they were entitled to pay. He gave Rome what they were entitled to, and then pocketed the rest. And yes, it did make him rich, 
but he was rich through deceit and cheating and at the expense of others. He really only cared for himself. And Zacchaeus may have been rich, but it didn't do him any favours. He lived a pretty miserable existence. He was hated, he was despised, he was rejected, and he was isolated in the society which he lived. But in verse 3 we see that Zacchaeus was seeking to see who Jesus was. Now we're not totally sure why he wanted to see Jesus. Perhaps he had heard how, how Jesus had um, accepted and welcomed those um, who others in society would reject. And I was thinking about him, you know, Zacchaeus probably came across so arrogant and so strong. But I can't help but wonder that beneath that was he actually deeply insecure and just longed for love and acceptance and friendship. Because, of course, everyone does. Well, he was seeking to see Jesus, but he had a problem. He was small and there was a large crowd. But Zacchaeus has a solution, verse 4. He ran on ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus, for he was about to pass by. I'm told this would have been a huge tree with low, thick branches, and so that made it easy to climb, and there was many large leaves, so Zacchaeus couldn't be easily seen. Now, it was not deemed socially acceptable to run or to climb a tree, but Zacchaeus, he didn't care who was watching him or what they thought. Perhaps he thought he didn't have anything to lose, as he didn't really have any friends anyway. He was a small man, but he did have big determination. He was able to use initiative, and he was willing to take risk. So that's the case, a seeking sinner. Now from verse 5, the focus then moves away from Zacchaeus and on to Jesus, a seeking saviour. In verse 5 we read that when Jesus came to the place where Zacchaeus was, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Now, this is the only case where Jesus invites himself to stay at someone else's house. It wasn't the social norm, probably still isn't really today. But notice how we began with Zacchaeus seeking after Jesus. Now we see Jesus taking the initiative and calling on Zacchaeus. And notice too, his, his call to Zacchaeus, it is urgent as he calls him to hurry. And it's, it's essential. As Jesus says, I must stay at your house today. Now, we've got to understand that Jesus staying at the house of Zacchaeus, it's, it's so much more than, than just using his home for accommodation. And it's, it's so much more than, than just calling by with someone, as we might say, just to pass yourself. But for Jesus to stay at Zacchaeus' house, 
and for Jesus to invite himself, he is saying, Zacchaeus, I want deep and personal fellowship and relationship with you. And perhaps something that Zacchaeus had never experienced. Well, we see Zacchaeus' response to Jesus' call. He hurried, he came down, and received him joyfully. Which, of course, is the appropriate response to the call of Jesus. Well, the crowd, they're not one bit happy um, about this relationship that has just begun between Jesus and Zacchaeus. If you look at verse 7, we see they all grumbled. Look, he's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Now, this is a pattern that we see back in Luke 5, after the calling of Levi, the tax collector. Levi made a great feast, and Jesus was there. He was sharing fellowship with tax collectors. And what did the crowd do? They grumbled. And they said, why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? Well, Jesus defended his actions by saying, those who are well have no need of a physician, but it is those who are sick. I haven't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And of course, this is the same for Zacchaeus, despite the meaning of his name, He was a sinner, and Jesus has come to call sinners to repentance. We see it again at the beginning of chapter 15. Tax collectors and sinners, they were were all drawing near to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes, they grumbled, and they said, Look, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And, And notice too how... Right at the beginning of the story of Zacchaeus, the focus was on Zacchaeus and the crowds hated him and were grumbling against him. And now this hatred is pointed towards Jesus. It's almost now that, that Jesus is with Zacchaeus, it's like he stands in his place. He's being hated and despised and rejected instead of Zacchaeus. And of course that is exactly what Jesus is going to do as he enters Jerusalem. He's going to take the place of sinners on the cross. He's going to bear their sins on his own body. Jesus is going to be hated and despised and rejected and isolated so that sinners can know fellowship and relationship with Jesus. Well, as we've seen, Jesus has come to call sinners to repentance And we read on, we see that repentance is exactly what we see in the life of Zacchaeus. Look at verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Zacchaeus repented. He realized his sin and he changed his life. One writer says this, he says, there's no such thing as a person who has truly encountered the love of Jesus and yet walked away unchanged. As Jesus called Zacchaeus and as Zacchaeus received Jesus, his life was changed forever. 
Jesus said to him, verse 9, Today a salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. Zacchaeus was despised by fellow Jews, and yet we see, in a sense, he was more of a Jew than any who criticized him. Paul says to the Galatians, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. It's not those who recognize their Jewishness, but it is those who recognize their need of Jesus Christ. Zacchaeus has received salvation. He has received eternal life. What is impossible with man is possible with God. Verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And as here we see, Jesus, in fact, is the real seeker, the one who is seeking. We we could say, for this very reason, for passing through Jericho, Jesus' very reason for passing through Jericho was to seek out a little lost man in a sycamore tree. Listen to what God said many years previous in Ezekiel 34. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep, and I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on that day. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will build the injured and I will strengthen the weak and so forth. It goes on. But what do we see? God promised he himself would come and seek us and he did. God came in Jesus Christ who was fully God and fully man. His mission was to seek and to save the lost. And he accomplished this through his perfect life, his sacrificial death, and rising again. God gives us the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sin, that we may know our need of a Savior and receive Christ. See, spiritually lost people cannot find their way to God. But Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, to rescue them. And bring them back. Well, as I said, I want to just take a moment and make some comparisons with those five encounters in this section of Luke's Gospel. So if you look just before Zacchaeus, there is the healing of the blind beggar. Now, in ways, Zacchaeus and, and this beggar are very different. The beggar, of course, was poor. Zacchaeus was rich. But in ways, they were very similar. Um, They were both despised and isolated by society. They both took initiative and risked to see Jesus. And Jesus stopped and spoke to both. And both received the welcome of Jesus. And then just before the blind beggar was the incident of the rich 
ruler. To the rich ruler and Zacchaeus, they were both rich. Although the, the ruler would have been respected in society, whereas Zacchaeus was not. But the big contrast here is that the ruler showed no change of having encountered Jesus. Zacchaeus repented and changed. Then before the rich ruler, we have um, the little children. And they're showing us that eternal life is for all who know they are helpless and rely completely on Jesus. And before that incident then, we have a parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Just turn to that now and we'll read it together. Um, It's it's chapter 18 and verse 9. Chapter 18 and verse 9. He told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, and the other, a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterous, or even like this tax collector. I pass twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Do you see that? The Pharisee declared himself righteous and went home not justified, similar to the rich ruler. The tax collector declared himself a sinner and went home justified. Who is eternal life for? It's for the rich, for the poor, for the young. It's for the old. It's for all. How then do we receive eternal life? Well, we recognize we are sinners. We plead to God for mercy. And God himself will declare us just because Jesus has bore our sins. Let's make a few applications as we close. The first and perhaps most obvious, if you have never received Jesus as your saviour, do that today. The call of Jesus is here today. It is urgent and it is essential. May you respond quickly and gladly. Secondly, if your life has been transformed by relationship with Jesus, it's good to ask ourselves, is that transformation obvious in my life? 
We saw how Zacchaeus, he, he gained a totally different perspective on money. We saw how he became so aware of how he had wronged others. Do you know, often our instincts will tell us not to admit when we are wrong, and in fact to do all we can to cover up our wrongs. So relationships can be so badly damaged when one has wronged another and they never admit or recognize that. May we be willing and and even quick to admit our wrongs, to ask for forgiveness, whether that is wrongs done in the past or wrongs done in the present. Thirdly, Lynn, may we as saved sinners move towards other sinners with the call of Jesus to repent and be saved. I think often we're, we're put off relationship with and close relationship with non-believers possibly because we feel a bit superior to them. Perhaps we can look at at those, perhaps even neighbours living beside us, and we, well, we disapprove of their way of life, and we just don't want to enter into that. But whatever their sins are, whatever they are, it, it does not stop us moving towards, it does not stop us striving to build relationship. In fact, we, as, as saved sinners, should very easily empathise with non-believers. May we never forget that we are indeed sinners who have been found and saved by God. We're never, never in a position to look at the sin of others from a high horse. It's interesting, those few passages that we recalled in Luke were where Jesus was with tax collectors and sinners, the sinners just seemed to flock to Jesus. Jesus, who was perfect, sinless, they they seemed to just feel at ease in his company, in a way that um, they wouldn't feel around others. And in a sense, then, how much more should sinners feel at ease in our company? May they know that we too are sinners who have been found and saved and may they feel very at ease in our company. Fourthly then, thinking again about evangelism, may we show hospitality to sinners and strangers, those outside the family of God. Again, it's interesting in those three um, those three um, Incidents in, in chapter 5, 15 and 19 in Luke. Um, Jesus was sharing fellowship in homes with these tax collectors and sinners. The, the focus of hospitality in, in the Old Testament for God's people was that welcome and that embrace of strangers, those outside the family of God. Uh, and of course we come to the Gospels and, and that is exactly what we see Jesus doing. I wonder, can we move beyond um, the superficial with those outside the family of God 
Can we have them in our home? Can we give them that, that welcome and embrace into our inner private space? Can we let them know we really want to get to know them? We want them to know us. And we, we practice this hospitality to the stranger that they might know something of the greatest hospitality ever known. And that was offered at the cross where the Son of God, Jesus Christ, in sacrificial love, gave his life for us, dying for our sins, that we would be embraced by God and welcomed at his table forever. Let us pray together. Our Father and our God, we thank you again for Jesus Christ. We thank you for the great salvation that he brings. We thank you, God, for how you came in Christ to seek us, to find us, and to save us. Lord, may each of us respond appropriately to you today. Father, for those of us who who know what relationship with you is, May you continue to transform us. May you continue to give us just perspective on life and what it is all about. Father, as we have known forgiveness, may we be quick to show forgiveness. As we have recognized how desperate and sinful we really were and and desperately needed a saviour, May we not shy away from letting others know that we are sinners who need a saviour. And Father, may we have a heart that longs to move towards others, to move towards other sinners just like us, with the call of Jesus to repent and be saved. Father, we pray as we do that, that others may indeed feel very at ease in our company that that we will help them to see that actually we are just like them we are sinners we were lost we were without hope we were without God and yet God in his grace came and sought us and found us and brought us into a beautiful relationship with himself Lord may we be prepared to go beyond the superficial to really strive to know people better, that they might know us, that we might point them to Jesus Christ, such a great Saviour. We pray all this in his name.